Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Can You Put Me On Guest List. How is everybody? I hope you're all good. This week, I will be chatting with probably one of the nicest people I have met, and not just in the industry, but in life in general. She's so hardworking, so, so passionate about her job, and just absolutely smashes it. This week, my guest is the lovely Sophie Bloggs. Sophie is an artist manager and runs the electronic music division within YMU and currently manages Danny Howard, Crystal Clear, Hannah Wants, Corrupt FM and Public Excess. She's also previously worked with the likes of Yolanda B. Cool, Nick Fanchuli, Joris Vaughan, Oliver Dollar, Duke Dumont, and last year won the Breakthrough Manager Award at the Artist and Manager Awards 2019, which is just bloody amazing. It was so, so good to catch up with her and talk about how she's found adapting to the current situation that we're all experiencing due to the global pandemic in terms of thinking and launching new ideas for her artists, how she started out in the music industry, goal setting and career highlights, when an artist should take on management and how they should prepare to be managed, tips for managers that are just starting out and lots, lots more. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. Each week I upload a new episode in which I chat to some very interesting and successful people from the dance music industry. And if you do enjoy listening to it, please remember to share. It really does help. I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Sophie Bloggs on Can You Put Me on Guest List. Sophie Bloggs, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Oh, it's so good to see your face. Same, same. It's been so long. It has. Your hair got so long now and mine got shorter. I know. I just like feel like such a scruff because obviously don't really leave the house or see anyone at all because I live on my own. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, is it acceptable for this hair and tracksuit? You look gorgeous. You always do. Here's what it is. How are you? How's the um, whole lockdown situation been for you? Um, it's been interesting and it's definitely been different at different stages. Like at the beginning, I think like for everyone, the scariness and like the daunting aspect of not knowing what is going to happen. And like, I suppose the fact that it was such a significant change and like me personally, I just love routine, consistency, structure. And obviously all of that went out the window. So I was the first few weeks I was like having some kind of mental breakdown. Um, combined with the fact that I bought my first house on my own and I moved in the day before lockdown. So I moved in and didn't no have No way. Yeah. Joking. I'm joking. So I literally had no internet, like nothing nothing in there. I like I was trying to delay it, but they wouldn't let me because it'd just been this like really long intense process anyway and I guess they just wanted to get it ticked off but now with hindsight I'm super super glad that I've got in here because otherwise it just would have been a nightmare but at the time I was like okay well I don't even know the area like it was just yeah yeah, it's just quite a madness but um right now I'm feeling a lot better because I've got myself into like a workflow and work is picking up and um yeah, I think it's just allowed me a bit more time to go back to why I actually got into 
music because mm-hmm. I suppose like the past couple of years well the past like five years really has been so intense and like a lot of travel and um I've just like reconnected with my family a lot more which has been nice yeah that has been one of the nicest things we've been doing quiz night and all of these different things and there is a nice side to it but obviously it has been very stressful as well and I'm like you I am so organized when I work and I know exactly what I'm doing every single day and then with it when this happened I was like I don't know how to work like this yeah it's like I think you're similar in that we're both quite self-motivated um I guess you kind of have to be to be in this industry anyway but um yeah just like not having the needs or like not needing to go outside or like any of those things it it, it does just make it like oh well maybe I just won't get out of bed today or you know just a whip it is it's also like the time where I have the least work ever but the most stressed out I've ever been like how does that even work and I found it quite hard to work from home as well like I know it hasn't been as bad in the UK but working from the same space every single day without being able to go outside and without seeing anyone yeah I know I know we can do like zooms and stuff but yeah it's not the same is it you you need that human interaction 100% like I actually hate sorry I actually hate zoom like I <laughs> sorry have to do the zoom calls but after that I was like every every time someone asks me for a zoom unless it's like something really really essential I say I just say no I'm like just call me normally I can't I just can't yeah you feel like you have to do it because that's the way everybody else is working but yeah, yeah, you do yeah. all still have telephones I know um, but yeah, I never thought I'd say this, but I am missing my office. Definitely missing my office. Are you? Yeah. Well, hopefully things start to pick up for us all again very soon. Yeah, I think so. How have you found adapting to the situation in terms of thinking or creating or promoting ideas for your artists? I found it hard at first, honestly, because I just found like my creative thought process and like marketing angles on things really stifled um I suppose because I've always traditionally worked in the format of like I I personally have only ever worked with artists who make music so all of my strategy for how I've built them has been centered around building a release plan alongside a touring schedule alongside a marketing rollout um, with a long-term international push. So to have all of that taken away and only having certain aspects of it has been quite, was, well, has been and is still, I suppose, quite difficult for me to process and think about ideas. However, like, obviously now things are developing and actually from the off, I was put on quite a lot of these, like, WhatsApp groups with a lot of the electronic community, um, which has been... It's really insightful. It's been it's been positive and negative in that like it's been really insightful that everyone's sharing different ideas that they're doing and like obviously different things are happening in different territories. So it's important to keep across that. But then at the same time, everyone's sharing like all this negative yeah. media. Like oh my god, yeah. the anxiety. 
So real. I'm the same. I, literally, sometimes I'm like, I'd rather not speak to anyone for a while because just the tiniest things could trigger off so many emotions. Yeah, I'm the same. I agree. Um, I suppose like one good thing about my setup is I I work within a company um, who have quite a diverse roster and me also personally I don't just work exclusively on electronic music so um it's been interesting to see what different like opportunities whether it's in the digital space or potential live space in the future have arisen and how those can be applied to the electronic roster that I represent um because I feel like actually there's some quite innovative things that are happening, i.e. like the Travis Scott thing in Fortnite and like the gaming opportunities and actually the brand world, if you've got the right fit or the right um, idea for specific brands, there is definitely still money out there. It's just like, I would say DJs in, in the traditional way that we work with them don't always apply that stuff to what's around. Um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's been, what I'm trying to say is like, it's been good to have people to bounce ideas off or just like see what other people are doing with their yeah. roster, their artists. I guess as well, it's been a good opportunity for us to think of and create things that we probably would never have thought of if this situation wasn't happening and maybe some of these things actually work really really well and it's something that we can carry on growing and developing even when this whole situation is over yeah definitely I think as well like it's definitely a case-by-case basis like obviously the streaming and the lives, particularly on Instagram and other social media outlets, was very oversaturated in the beginning and probably still is now, actually. Um, And in fairness, my roster personally, all of them were not that into it at all. So it wasn't like that forced moment of, you have to do a live stream because everyone's doing a live stream. Um, But they've all individually gone away and process what's going on and worked out how using this time would be beneficial for them. So it's not necessarily always about coming up with this like innovative idea of how they're going to make money out of lockdown. But like Crystal Clear, for example, is has wanted to make a body of music, an album that's not just um, dance music, which he's known for. Or his whole career and he's just never really had the time and resources and whatever else to do it and when this started happening we we spoke for eight for hours and we're like this is this is it now like this is the time that you have to do it so let's just fucking do it yeah. and I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is like it's a case-by-case basis and like what I found myself is by trying to force myself to be creative and come up with ideas it hasn't always worked like that it's kind of the opposite yeah definitely at the beginning everybody was like now's the time to be creative and be productive and I really felt like I had to be so creative all the time and then I thought to myself we're already in a really really stressful situation why am I putting myself under more stress and trying to do something that isn't coming to me naturally? And I think the more relaxed you are, the more open-minded you'll be. And that's when the better and more creative ideas will come. 
I agree. I agree. And I said that to all the people that I represent as well. I was like, look, if you're not making the most amazing music that you've ever made in your career, it's not, not a reflection on you as an artist. Like just understand we're in a global pandemic. Like it's fucking stressful. Like no one knows what the future is going to hold just be kind to yourself. Like I feel, I just really feel that's all we can do. Yeah, definitely. You said at the beginning that you have been using this time to really think about why you did get into the music industry. So tell us a little bit about your beginnings. How did you start out in music? So I used to throw parties, dubstep parties when I was at uni in Loughborough. Um, <laughs> called Dubra, very mythical. I see um, what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and from there, like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I actually always thought I wanted to go into film and TV production. So I did quite a lot of internships, but like long internships during the summer periods. And um, one summer I did like three months, I think it was, at Fabric. And as soon as I'd done that, I realized that I wanted to work in music in some capacity because I just, I was actually working on the PR side of the record label that they had. And when they, it was actually at the time that they opened Matter, which was part of the OT. Um, so yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in music, but I knew that I wanted to work in music. And basically, as soon as I finished uni, I had... I didn't really have any connections. I just basically was used, used to put this event on and through the event, um, I, I'd heard of a record label called CR2 because one of my friends that I worked with was friends with Mark Brown who owned it. Um, and he, when I left uni, I was like, look, could you just introduce me to anyone in London? I'm about to move back. He introduced me to Mark. I went and met Mark and I just, he actually gave me like a job straight away, literally the next day. Um, so I went straight into working. I think I might have. I think I might have interned initially, but then it turned into a role pretty quickly. What kind of role was your internship? Um, the internship was kind of across the board, but it was predominantly like PR and marketing, which is what I did for the first year. And then the role evolved into Mark wanted to bring the event side back of CR2 more, and we had quite a successful compilations business and he also wanted to start like a bit of a management arm within CR2 so I was kind of just doing like a little bit of everything really um and I'm super thankful to him and and that experience because I was 21 and I was there for three years and I went to I did a season in Ibiza with them because we did like the space compilation so we took over space did a whole party um, nice. going like back and forth doing an event doing events he then sent me to Australia where I set up an office for him like wow, it was amazing. amazing and like went to Miami like did all the you know the usual stuff but obviously as like a 21 21 22 year old like going to ADE and meeting all these people and like it was just mad really and I think my parents were like what do you actually do like where are you going <laughs> um so yeah, so I worked I worked for CR2 and then out of that met a few quite a few contacts through like I suppose traveling and stuff and um was approached about managing Yolanda Be Cool with Jesse Rose because he was setting up a management company and then from there I just transitioned straight into management and I've only been working in management since then. 
I guess as well from when you were at CR2 and you learned so many different aspects of the music industry, I bet that's helped so much in your role as a manager. Yeah, 100%. And like even with Yolanda Be Cool, um, the way this is, this is potentially really boring, so I'm really sorry in advance, but like the way that they ran their releases was instead of just signing the music to one individual record label and then they work it worldwide, what we did was individual licensing for each territory. So we owned the master in one territory and licensed it out, which is a lot of work, but in the long run means that you have a lot more creative control and financially you have more independence. Um, but just those kinds of things, like I would never have known about if I hadn't worked at CR2 and how like all the licensing work with compilations and stuff like that, which is actually the bore, for me is the boring side of what we do. But it's important to know because if you can definitely. offer that kind of knowledge to your artists, like they, they definitely don't know about it. So almost. Yeah. So on your current roster at the moment, you've got Danny Howard, Hannah Wants, Crystal Clear and Corrupt FM. Is that correct? Yes. And um, I also look after this duo called Public Access, who are signed to Bacolic Music and they work with Pasha in Ibiza. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anyone else on my roster. No, I don't. Let me have a think. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. How do you kind of divide your time between all of your artists? Do you have particular days that you'll work on one artist and then other days on others? Or is every day different? Every day is different, definitely. Um, I used to try and put it, do it like that. Um, but it just never, it just never went yeah. like that. And also, because now I have like a really amazing team that I work with, um, a girl called Josie and a guy called Nick, who work with me across the whole roster. And I love Nick. Yeah, Nick is our fave. Um, we, before Corona, worked in the office together and it would just be like a constant flow of ideas and creativity and like just checking in on certain things. So whilst you aim to work on specific artists on specific days it doesn't really work out like that how did you start working with these artists did they approach you to work with them or was it the other way around how does it normally work um again it's kind of different I suppose in the beginning it was definitely me um going after artists because I didn't have like I didn't have my own roster and I didn't have um, the experience that I suppose I have now. Like, even though now um, I do still uh, go after talent, like I suppose more opportunities come my way than they did previously. Yeah. When do you think is a good time for an artist to take on management? Or again, do you think every case is different? I do think every case is different. However, I think like if an artist has got some thing started themselves in terms of like connections or making music on their own or um creating an event that has some hype around it that gives a manager something to work with as opposed to just going in completely cold like I think that's quite hard and also unrealistic like even without corona um 
it's such an oversaturation of absolutely everything. And I'm not just talking about the ele- in the electronic DJ world, like everywhere is an oversaturation. So to be heard, you've got to shout even more than ever. And yeah, I just think it's important to have your your own identity as well. Because I think as soon as you have a manager come on board or, or someone, even a label come on board to work with you, they're naturally going to give you their opinion and their direction. And which is amazing because I think it is definitely a team effort in building something. But I do genuinely believe that artists who are most successful are authentic and they know who they want to be as artists. And I think that's important to do on your own first. That actually leads me to my next question, because obviously when an artist does decide to take on management and they've previously just worked solo, there obviously are going to be a lot of big changes. And as you just said, you are going to receive opinions from your new team and things are going to be managed in a completely different way. So what do you think are the biggest changes that an artist will have to adapt to and how should they prepare to be managed? Um, I guess they've just got to be open to direction. Like, And also, like all of us in the industry have to be aware that not all artists want to be managed or need to be managed. Like some people are incredibly switched on and are happy to be across every aspect of their business. Um, whereas like others need different things in different areas. So I've worked with artists who predominantly need creative input. So it would be like consistent brainstorming, putting them in the studio with different people, like setting them up with different labels, um, working with different creatives, i.e. directors, photographers, um, designers that would give them an aesthetic that they hadn't already thought of. Whereas like others are true, true, true creatives who have like an exact vision of what they want to be and how they want to release their music and their projects. But they just can't like deal with the logistical admin side of bringing everything together. So like the touring, the merch, you know, the rollouts, all of that side of it. So I guess it just depends what it is that you're looking for from a manager. God, there's so much that goes into an artist's career that I think so many people don't even think about and don't even realize. Yeah, I think so. And like, I'm by no means claiming to be the best manager in the world because I I definitely don't think I am. I've got so much to learn. You did win an award. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's like it's de- it's hundred percent not just going to the party, showing up at the party and partying. Trust me, like it is not that. And actually coming into this industry from so young to now being 32 um I've realized like I know I'm so old oh my god you are Um, not old shut up no you're not um yeah I I would be lying if I said like in the beginning you know my priority was like going to the events and like meeting people and that side of things which is super important for what we do like there's no denying that at all like it is about when they say it's about who you know that there is some truth in that for sure um but there's so much more to it than that especially now when it's like the digital aspect of everything we do and how music is consumed is constantly changing and just the fact that there are so many different revenue streams that I think people aren't 
aware of yeah. that you should be on top of it because your artist really just wants to be creative. It's so, so true. This industry is growing and changing and evolving so, so quickly. Do you find it hard to set goals for your artists in an industry that does change at such a fast pace? Yeah, I guess it is. I suppose like I I just had like a couple of turning points in my career which made me realize my different the difference in my goals. Um and that was like losing artists that were very personal to me and big in my perspective for my career. Um but obviously now looking back on it I'm thankful for it even though at the time like it was very difficult to go through. I learned so much through it and it made me realize like I only want to work with a specific type of person who respects my opinion and if I'm I, I'm I'm quite um upfront and direct with my <laughs> but how that's I approach thing though isn't it well you say that I mean <laughs> sometimes people just can't handle it so the fact of the matter is, if you if we work together, like you have to just be able to handle that. I'm not going to say yes all the time, and I'm not going to just. Um, I just don't enable. I just don't enable, and maybe that's bad. No, well, no, it's not bad, but I guess some people just want different things. Yeah, you have a really good relationship with all of your artists, a good personal relationship, which I think is really important as yeah. a manager. How do you find that balance between the professional and the personal side of things? Are you good at separating them? No, I've never been able to separate it, honestly. Like, I, yeah, I just, I've always said that I should. And like, every time I've had a disappointing moment, which is like really upset me with work, I always take a step back and I'm like, I'm not going to get personally invested anymore. Like, it's just a job, blah, blah, blah. But then I think about it and I'm like well actually I work in this industry because I'm so passionate about it and I'm really lucky when I look at like my pool of who I consider my true friends like who I suppose are my school friends and they're either lawyers or teachers or you know work in finance and stuff they don't love their jobs like I love my job and I yeah I just think Every, look, everyone's different. Every manager approaches things differently. Um, but if I'm going to work with you, like I have to have like a personal connection to you. Otherwise, I'm just not going to give 100% of myself to the job. So it's just, I suppose it's that. But but I do understand why people don't do it because it is, it is like difficult. Yeah, I guess that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before though. The goals that you set for your artists are also your goals as well. Definitely. Yeah. Like look at Danny Howard, who I've worked with for five years now. Like when, when we first started working together, he was on the Saturday daytime slot on radio one and just being transparent. And I'm sure he would be, say the same. In fact, I know he would be spoken about it so many times. No one took us seriously. You know, people would kind of like all the serious promoters in the UK in particular, in Ibiza, everywhere would just laugh at us, like all the artists that he wanted to be aligned with, all of our long and short-term goals. Everyone was like, no, not sure, not sure. And what the main thing that we said to each other was, 
we want that primetime slot on Radio 1. Like, we want that primetime slot on Friday night on Radio 1. That is what we're working towards. We're getting the 9 p.m. slot. And a few months ago, that's what he got. And it was just like, we spoke to each other and we were like, I can't believe, like, it's actually happened. Because, you know, when you work towards something for such a long time and then it actually happens, it's like, is this real? It doesn't feel real. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose like, and I'm not taking away because it really, it was all Danny. It absolutely was not me, but um, it was just like such an amazing feeling. And I was so happy for him, like so happy for him. That must have been such an amazing moment when you found out. Oh my God, we were both like screaming down the phone. How did it happen? What were you doing when you found out? He called me because the head of Radio 1 had called him. And like, you have to understand, we've been going in for meetings like, individually together like every couple of months I'd be like Alid who's the head of Radio 1 who's now been made the main main guy at Radio 1 I'd be like so you know when do you think would be the time for the change like we've been doing this this and this and now we've had this artist on the show and blah 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 and he's like yeah I believe in it I believe in it and and, and then it got to last year and when I suppose when they moved Danny from Saturday to Friday and we had that 11 o'clock slot we were kind of like, okay, they have actually done a lot for us and maybe this is it, you know, but we were still pushing and pushing. And then I just said to Danny, I was like, let's be more innovative with the show. Like, let's get takeovers done. Like, let's get you in the studio with the right people because you're live. And we did do that. And, I, and we both pulled together our resources and our contact database and, and then they just couldn't deny it any longer. So that, yeah, so he called Danny and then Danny texted me and like had called me four times and I think I was in a meeting or something and he was like you don't understand you have to answer the phone like you have to answer the phone so yeah it was quite cute it was cute you're like sorry everybody I yeah. have to take this call yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> has there been any other moments like that any other career highlights that you can share with us yeah I suppose there has like when I worked at 360 I was looking after Duke Dumont and um it was a very intense campaign like he he'd had a number one I think one number one of his number ones in the UK but we were really trying to take it international so I was spending like a lot of time in LA and I hadn't spent that much time in LA before and um I'd never built like a proper electronic live show and it was like a real career goal of mine because I I think I've said this before, like I don't just like working with touring DJs. I like to have like a bit of diversity. And um, yeah, we headlined the Sahara stage at Coachella and we were like, we've got to do this as the live show for what would be the album. Um, and it was so much work. Like I can't even tell you how much work it was. Like I spent like two months in LA. We just didn't sleep. Like it was fucking intense, but when we did that show, I've never had a feeling like it actually. And I have to say, I've never had a feeling the same again. Um, oh. It was just crazy. Like, it was just fucking crazy. It was amazing though. That must have been absolutely mind blowing though, especially at Coachella. You must have been stood on that stage and been like, we've yeah. done it. I, it's also because I'd actually never been to the festival before either. Um, so the whole thing was like a new experience for me. And I liked it because he wasn't just pigeonholed into like the dance bit. There were some other artists there. Um, so that was cool. And then, um, yeah, I suppose just having like chart success as much as it's not just about the commercial side of things, like 
I'm not going to lie, and I think everyone would say the same, like, when you do get that commercial success and, like, yeah. you're on the A-list on Radio 1 and, like, you know, things are starting to go well. It is, it is a lovely feeling. It's a lovely feeling. What are some of your other career goals that you have? Um, well, I look after Hannah Wants, who is a female DJ, and part of the reason that we started working together was... Um, I had always had a desire to work properly with a female DJ producer um, and for them to have like the platform that they deserve. And I still feel like Hannah, she's, she's like definitely at the forefront of her genre. There's no denying that, but we've got loads of goals and ambitions that we want to achieve over the next couple of years. And like, it really does feel like it can happen. Um, Particularly in America, if America comes back together I don't know Um, no so crazy yeah so I want I just want her to win and to be seen at the forefront of what she does in the way that I view her because I think she really deserves it um and then I suppose the other thing is I work with Corrupt FM who have a tv show called People Just Do Nothing on the BBC and it's on Netflix but we're releasing their first feature film next year which is combined with an album and we're going to do this whole like immersive experience around it and I think it sounds like so much fun to work on it's so much fun it's so much fun like it's so much work but it's like I love it I absolutely love it and some of the ideas that we have and we try and execute like you never execute all the ideas that you want um but yeah it's it's really really fun it's really amazing that does sound like such a fun project. I was just going to say to you, do you know that I interviewed Hannah when I was like 18? At no. Yeah. <laughs> she's so lovely though, isn't she? Oh, she's so, so lovely. I remember being really, really nervous as well. I think it was... Uh, I think it was together. Yeah. I think it was a together um, amnesia. And yeah, I'm going to have to find that video. I haven't seen it for a really long time, but oh. I'm going to see if I can find it. <laughs> so I mentioned before about your award that you won last year. I'm embarrassed. I'm so Why are you embarrassed? You should be so proud of yourself. I don't know. I just have like... Um... Oh, what's that thing? Um, imposter syndrome. I definitely have like serious imposter syndrome about it, which is really sad. It's really sad. But um, I do. I have really bad imposter syndrome about it. Like I had it at the time and I still have it now. So it's not like, yeah, it is a weird one. Like I, I yeah, it's such a weird one. It's a massive achievement. It's huge. So it was the Breakthrough Manager Award at the Artist and Manager Awards 2019. So what advice can you give managers that are just starting out or someone looking to pursue a career in artist management? Um, I suppose I would say um, just keep going because there are always knockbacks on the way which really do deter you and knock your confidence. Like we all go through them. And actually it's those moments that make you the manager that you are. Like I truly believe 
yeah, I, tr- I do believe this. Like, I, I really believe that you can't be an incredible manager unless you've lost a really important artist to you because you you learn from that process so much. And I suppose it is true that we learn from our mistakes. And I'm not saying everyone who loses their artist is their fault that they've lost, that they've parted ways. Um, but I do think you have to go through that. You do have to go through that to recognise, like, how you have to adapt to different people and what it is that, you know, everyone's individual and they always want different things. And that's something really important to know. And I suppose I've always taken the approach that like the work is not about me. It's just about amplifying what that artist is doing. And I think sometimes managers can get a little bit caught up in the sauce, shall we say. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Would you advise managers as well to take on artists from different genres or artists that are very, very different like yourself to be able to learn from the different aspects that come with them artists and their different ways of working? I personally have benefited from doing it with different types of artists because when I was first, when I was originally just working in electronic music, I then worked with a live act who was signed to Future Classic. And when I went into that world, I was like, fuck, I actually don't know anything about the music industry. Like, I really need to learn it fast because every different genre has its own world, really, and ways of doing things. And I think there's so many learnings that can be crossed over from what other people do. And and even just, like, outside of management, I know a lot of managers have consultancies at record labels as well. And... You can just learn so much from so many different people and it's just a shame to restrict yourself, I think. Yeah, definitely. And my final question for you today is... I don't know how to answer this. I'm scared for you to ask me because I don't know how to answer. <laughs> you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but <laughs> I know you definitely will have one. Okay, go on. Do you have a guest list rule? Um... I'm really going to paint myself in a bad light. So this is why I didn't want to answer it. But I guess you just got to be your true self, right? Um, I'm a bit brutal when it comes to the guest list. Like, obviously, I want my friends to be there. And I want my art. At first, first and foremost, it's always the artist list first. I never take it for myself. And I stand true by that. It's always the artist first. And I I go afterwards. Um, But I'm just not really about the people in the booth. Like, anyone who knows me and you know me as well like I can't even stand in the booth with my DJs like I know can't do that. so if I'm gonna bring someone on my list that just wants to be in the booth like I'm not about that life so you can't you just can't be with me <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you cannot stand with me you can't come on my list then that's how it is so there. see that was a perfect answer I know but I sound like a bitch you but don't sound yeah. like a bitch I think you're totally right <laughs> you are you're right yeah, I just think, like, there's a bit of entitlement with guest lists and like you know I I still buy tickets they do, they do and like I think particularly with club shows in the world that we live in a, de- a list to get into a club is just seen as throwaway, whereas like a list or to buy a ticket to a live show is not really perceived in the same way. And obviously I work in both the worlds. So I, I'm just like, you need to take the same approach to it. Like I still buy tickets to shows that I want to go to. So why can't you? 
yeah and support the industry yeah yeah Sophie thank you so much for chatting with me and I really hope that next time I can see you in person I know hopefully soon I'll hopefully be in IB for the summer let's pray you will be you will be here I'm putting it out there and we celebrated your birthday here last year so we have to do it again this year well exactly now it's tradition now it is it's tradition you know i went there the other day not actually to the restaurant i just sat on the beach in front of it and i was thinking oh we had such a nice time for your birthday oh yeah it was lovely it was it was so lovely right i'll let you carry on with your day and thank thank you you. so much and i'll see you soon Bye. bye